Okay, and another football Friday. Uh, Weissman and Oz, me and Steven are separate. That's what I can hear now. Steven is officially on. Numbers to call is 1605-562-8001. Steven, how are you doing today, my friend? I am great. How are you, Errol? How are you? I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. I know you have some uh, life struggles with, uh, you know, your Islanders lately. <clears throat> Sad to say, we're going to get into them a little later. Um, a little schedule conflict. We might have Rob Talbot. We're not sure. Rob has to get back to us. He is a very busy man, of course. Uh, Joe from Merrick should be on at 12.30 to do the picks. So we will keep informed. So uh, we're going to start with the World Series tonight. Steven, the World Series is back at Wrigley Field. What is it, 78 years, something like that? 90? I don't know. Too many to count. Yeah, I, it's been a while, Errol, and good for Chicago fans. And good for Cleveland fans, too. They haven't been in the World Series for a long, long time also. So we're, at, we're the series is tied one-to-one now. They're in Wrigley Field tonight. And, you know, it's been a very good World Series to watch so far with uh, Cleveland winning Game 1 and Chicago dominating Game 2 with uh, Jake Arrieta going... Uh, a no-no to like the sixth minute. Yeah, you see, I really don't pay attention to no hitters unless it's like in the seventh or eighth. Like I'm like Noah Syndergaard. Remember Noah had that uh, no hitter going in the fifth. I'm just sitting there. Like everyone's like, don't talk about it. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah. I mean, eh, it's the fifth inning. But Steve, some very big news that makes this series all the difference. Kyle, uh, Theo Epstein coming out and saying himself. Kyle Schwarber's knee is not ready to go in the field, which, I mean, by defense, I don't think you want him in there anyway, but all this guy has done is hit home runs in the postseason. Eight going back to last year and limited time playing this year, obviously, only two games. Steve, that's a big deal. I don't know if the Cubs can win this series without him. Well, Kyle Schwarber's been unbelievable, and they just need to, you know, find a place for him in the field. Uh... Now at the National League Stadium in Wrigley Field, I understand, uh, you know, he's challenged defensively, but you got to make him, put him in that lineup. He's going to be that impact bat for the Chicago Cubs. I mean, look what what he's done the past two games. He's been probably the, uh, the best player for the Cubs. Do you disagree? I mean... No, no, not oh no, not at all. Listen, uh, I mean the fact that I mean you see that this team scores no runs or this team scores I don't know seven or eight. Um, Danny Salazar came back, made an appearance in Game Two, coming out of the bullpen. You don't know if he's going to start. Uh, what we do know is that Corey Kluber, the plan is to start him games four or games one, obviously four and seven. Uh, tonight you have Kyle Hendricks going up against Josh Tomlin. You see, the thing, it's just the four. You and I are big hockey fans. Uh, more, more of an NBA fan than you are, obviously. It's just, you know, that's just the interest there. This 2 3 2 format is just killing me. It really is. I mean, we are so used to 2 2 1 1 1. And this, uh, Stephen, let me just make a point here and I, I'll get your take on it. And you will absolutely, you and I don't, you and I don't, aren't divisive on a lot of things, but I'm sure we are in this. Like, can we just take this into account? A Giants pitcher gave up a home run to a Royals hitter in San Diego, so that means home field advantage went to the Cleveland Indians. I mean, how how, how absurd is that? I uh, you know my take on it. I mean, the All Star Game is a joke and a complete joke. Uh, the fact that the World Series home field advantage is based off that World that All Star Game that's just unbelievable, and I don't know the solution to that. That's something for the commissioner to, you know, discuss. But there's there's got to be a, some other way to, you know, decide who gets World Series advantage. Uh, maybe whoever has the better record of the two teams. I don't know. It, that's also not the best way. But anything would be better than this. It's like you said before, Al. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the two-three-two format. I, I was a fan of the. Two two one one one, 
format or however it was. I I'm not a big fan of how it is right now. Well, I mean, the logical thing is to give it to whoever has the best record. And then in the regular season, the Cubs were the best team in the in the entire league. So what's the logical thing? Give them home field. There's just there's no reason to take because an expedition game you want that the ratings to be higher. There's no reason to take that and put meaning to it. And if you're going to put meaning to it, play your best players the whole game. Don't be pit, don't be switching out the best players after two innings. I mean, this is something that Bud Sealy did screw up a lot in his ten, in his time as MLB commissioner. Rob Manfred, and I fully expect to fix this issue because really. It's just it it's it's asinine. I mean, come on. I mean, how could you do? How could you make an exhibition game work this much? I don't know. Going back, me. going back to the All Star game, like you said, Errol. You know, the managers are replacing the starters with reserve players, and this game is an actual meaningful game. And I don't feel like people take it as seriously as it needs to be. I I. I get the players are playing, you know, in that game. They want to win. They're in it to win. But I don't think, you know what, it's just a very, very tough subject to, you know, put your paw on. And it's something Manfred's going to have to figure out, and I believe he will in the in the future. But, I mean, you're right. These players don't take this seriously. I mean, Big Poppy didn't take this seriously. Jose Fernandez got arrested. Sol didn't take that seriously, and you shouldn't. It's an expedition game. People are having fun. People are fraternizing. People are friends. I mean, people don't hate. People in this league don't hate each other aside from Texas and Toronto. They don't hate anybody. I mean, I guess Jose, everyone hates Jose Petit, so that's just something of itself. But, I mean, seriously, this game has to be either taken out of meeting, or if you're going to put it in meeting, make sure both managers next year will be Frank Conan's or Joe Madden. Make sure these two managers take all on account to win this game. Well, think about it this way. You know, the clubs had how many starters in the All-Star game? They had, you know, Brian. And they probably all played not even two innings. Exactly. Exactly. And look where they are right now. They're against home field advantage. I just don't think it's very fair. No, of course. I mean, listen, listen. The Cubs have to start out on the road, end on the road, and play three in a row at home, which really, I mean, you hear reports and you hear, you know, people closer to these managers and coaches, obviously, closer than than we can get. Um, They don't like that. They don't like playing three in a row at home. They would rather have it the 2-2-1-1-1 format or honestly come up with a different format. I don't care. This 2-3-2 format, I didn't like it before. I didn't like it when it when they changed it into the NBA Finals and they finally switched it to everything else. And I did just certainly didn't like it as a Mets fan. I mean, it, it didn't matter. We, you know, we didn't have home field advantage anyway. But I would like to see a two-two-one-one-one format, like I did with the Rangers when they were in the Cup. It's just a better format. Teams and coaches do not like to play three in a row at home. Well, Errol, we didn't get to talk much about the World Series uh, on Monday when we had our show. So I, I think it's fair that we give the audience our predictions. Uh, to win this one. I, the series is tied one-to-one now. I, I think uh, it's appropriate now that it's tied. I like that. I like that as well. I, I think it's fair. You know, both very, very, very good teams. Uh, Cleveland, obviously. I think Cleveland has the upper end uh, with the bullpen uh, with Andrew Miller. They just stood off the fact they have Andrew Miller. I understand something like Chapman, probably, if not a top three closer in the game. But Andrew Miller is you know, probably one of the best relief pitchers we've seen in this decade. Can do? Can you argue with that? No, absolutely not. I honestly, I've been back and forth on this since since this matchup was set up. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Indians in seven because Matt. I, I believe it or not, I think they're both fantastic managers. I think Frank Conan is gonna outsmart and outmanage Joe Madden, and I think he does that. With the way he use the usage of his bullpen, I think he does that. With the way he's going to switch people in and out, he has Carlos Santana playing left field. That could either be a great thing or a big disaster. So I think at the end of the day, and you're going to have Kluber four and seven. I know John Lester has that really pretty postseason record, but he has not been great in the postseason this year, which is what matters. So 
So I think um, the Indians and Stephen, one thing to realize, I mean, this this is turning in just like every other sport. It's turning into a young man's game. I mean, how many people are over 30 years old that are that are of significance for either of these teams? Not many. No, you're completely right, Al. And uh, no, originally I thought this game was gonna. Be, I thought the Cubs were gonna win it in six. I'm thinking the Cubs are gonna win it in seven. To be completely honest, I could, this is the type of series that's gonna go that seven games. And obviously, Game Seven is gonna be in Cleveland. What a story it would be if it was at Wrigley Field. I mean, I I, I was looking at StubHub the other day. Tickets were going. Like twelve for ten only were three thousand dollars. Like, Stephen, Stephen, pay pay uh, what are the uh, entry fees to get into bars are over twelve hundred dollars. It's the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Bars right by Wrigley Field, twelve hundred dollars to get in for a TV package. It's unbelievable. I I mean this is listen. It's been over a hundred years. Since they've won a World Series, 2007, 2000, or excuse me, 1907, 1908, when they're when they're a juggernaut winning back-to-back World Series, it's just, I mean, it's a special thing. This World Series couldn't have been set up better. I mean, the storylines, the way these teams haven't won in you know over 60 years, um, the way that Miller and Chapman, both these guys, being swirled around in trade rumors, both these guys in this, I mean, it's it's really. It truly is incredible. Kluber is putting together, you know, one of the best postseason pitching performances. Maybe one, not the best, because we know that owned is owned by Madison Bumgarner, but one of the best that we're we might uh, we are going to see, and we have not finished seeing yet. No, you're completely right, and you know, if you're just a baseball fan, and you know, just that normal fan, not a Cubs or an Indians fan, you gotta love this story. I mean, this this couldn't have been played out any better. Two teams that haven't haven't won in the longest time in their respective leagues, the National League with the Cubs and the American League with the Cleveland Indians. Just as a baseball fan, this story is incredible. And are you going to be, you know, you're going to be happy with either team to win. I would say more likely the Cubs just because, you know, they're, you know, the superstition that they're never going to win with the GOAT, whatever that is. But I, 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 personally, I'd like to see the Cubs win this and break that long, long, long streak. Yeah, and uh, breaking news, a couple breaking news just before we continue. And I do want to continue with this. We'll, we'll get into these two nitpicks later. Uh, one, Adam Schefter tweeted the Browns have announced Josh Campbell's start against the Jets, and Dylan McRath has cleared waivers. So uh, we will have Rob Tablon at 1245, so something we will discuss with him, something peculiar to me. Uh, to wrap up this segment, Steve, uh, to, to tell you how I think it goes down, honestly, I think the Indians win the next two in Chicago. I like the pitching matchups. I understand Kyle Hendricks has been fantastic. I think he's, he's going to be the Cy Young candidate. I just think the Royals play small ball enough to get past him. I don't think they have to overpower Hendricks. And I think with Kluber in game four, with his 3-1 and one record and an ERA under one, they'll take game four. And then you got Lester against Bauer. I think the, Cubs, I think the Indians have no shot in that game. And then after that, I think that the Indians only have to go home and win one of the next two, and one of them they have Kluber, which would be game seven. And Kluber was unbelievable. I mean – did you just see, like, in the first at-bat, Dexter Fowler was, you know, didn't even see what was coming to him. I mean, he had eight strikeouts after three innings. It was, that was a, a record. No pitcher has ever done that in the first three innings of, you know, a World Series. That's unbelievable. I mean, talk about a coming-out party, but uh, we can't wait to see how this pans out. Uh, tonight is, is it tonight? Yeah, tonight is game, oh, three games, oh, so it will be all three games in a row. So by the time we get back here on Monday, we're going to have a clear cut how this series is going to, uh, is going to go. So let's get on to the local now. Not much with the Yankees lately. I'm sure they're going to be, have an off season that we're going to be talking about sooner or later. But right now, the reports have come out that Cespedes 
will opt out of his next two of his last two years. Um, Steve, this is a big deal, and honestly, that you and I both say, and we, I, along with every other Mets fan in this nation, the Mets need to resign this guy no matter what it takes. No, you're completely right with that, Errol. You know, the Mets haven't had a guy like Joanna Cespedes in, I couldn't even tell you how long. The past two years, or a year and a half, I would say, has been nothing but unbelievable. He's had at almost, I, I think it's 60 home runs. Uh, between the two seasons with the Mets. It's, you know, something unbelievable, and this is something that all Mets fans and all baseball fans were going to expect. After that one year, he was going to opt out, see if he can uh, get some more money out of free agency, which, can you really blame him? He's, what, 31, 32 years old. This could be his last big contract that he can make. Right now, if he didn't opt out, he'd be making... What over two, the next two years, fifty million? I think he can get so much more. I understand the years, the long, the long term. You know, that's all. He, that's what he wants, and that's the issue. I can't see a team giving him five years, one hundred fifty million. Oh, I, I can see. A team, I can see a team get maybe not one hundred and fifty, but close to it. Justin Upton got seven years, one twenty. What one twenty? I can see a team giving him five years. This is stupid as not. Dude, there is a team stupid enough to give it to him. And you know what, Steve? I hope it's the Mets. Because the Mets, you and I have both saw in stretches when he was hurt, stretches when he wasn't here before a year and a half ago, that this team is so inept. And th this, this guy doesn't save, he alleviates the situation when he came here. He saved them when, he saved them when this team was 50 and 51, or 60 and 61 rather, last year or this past year. This I don't see it. I don't even see an alternative. I don't even see an alternative for this for losing him. I don't either, to be honest, Daryl. And you know that has to be the Mets' main priority uh, come off season. But I don't know if Sandy Alderson has the money, or you know, I, I just don't think he wants Cespedes. I, you know, all the Mets fans want you know Cespedes, but. Like you said, there's no replacement for him. That's going to give you a 280 average, uh, 32 home runs, 80 RBIs. There's no other guy in the league that's going to do that for the Mets. And we're going to take a quick commercial break right here. So we'll be right back. Introducing the SND Podcast channel, your new source for all types of podcasts. We are looking for new podcasts to add to our channel. So if you ever wanted to start a podcast, reach out to us via Twitter, DM, or just add us at SND Podcast. Or message us on Facebook or even email us at SNDPodcast at gmail.com. Once you reach out to us, we'll tell you the best way to create a podcast. All types of podcasts are, are welcome. So anything you want to talk about for a podcast, just let us know. No idea is a bad idea. We're already on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and all other podcast apps. All you have to do is record the podcast. So hit us up soon so you can start your podcast now. And we're back here with Weissman and Oz. I'm Stephen, partner Errol on the other side. Uh, we will have Joe's picks uh, coming at 12.30, but right now we're still talking about Yolanda Cespedes and the Mets. And Errol, I mean, the Mets have a lot to do come uh, this offseason, a lot of holes to fill, especially the role of Yolanda Cespedes. Uh, what else do you think that, that this team needs to do? Uh, I mean, seriously though, um, Cespedes. If this, if they re-sign Cespedes, I have no problem with Rene Rivera catching behind the plate. I have no problem with T.J. Rivera playing second base. I have no problem with, I don't know, him, him in, uh, him in left field and Lagaris in center. Not even on trading Bruce. I really, I don't have a problem. So these are the things the Mets have to do, and the first priority is sign Cespedes. Now, if they don't do that, and frankly, Steve, if they don't do that early, if they if they come out and they clarify, you get some continuity on the situation, that they're not going to resign him, I would rather have it early on so the Mets can go out and try to figure it out, whether it's Batista on a short-term deal, which isn't exactly ideal, whether it's Encarnacion on a short-term deal, maybe he can still play first base until Dominic Smith is ready. I mean, whether you go out, I've heard, thing, I've heard rumors, not rumors, but a suggestion out, from a couple guys from WFAN 
saying that they should go out and trade for Ian Kinsler. Whatever you got to do, go do, make sure you get some clarity on Cespedes, and then you go do. Yeah, 100%, Harold. And, you know, we're going to, you mentioned a name that I like, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, for the first base position. Now, the Mets are going to probably tender Lucas Duda a contract. He, he didn't play much this season. He's going to be making pretty much the same amount as he made uh, this past season. But Encarnacion, he's going to be one of the top free agents out there in the market. And there's going to be a lot of teams going out there to uh, compete not with not only the Mets if they're you know interested, but do you think the Mets can compete with teams like the Yankees or the Red Sox or you know there's going to be plenty of teams out there for a first baseman who is a veteran who's getting older in age but who's still very productive. Well, you don't even I listen. I, I'm not even sure. Can he still play first base? Because he generally. Um, because he generally DH for Toronto. Now, this is why, if he's a pure DH, a team like the Yankees, I definitely don't see coming into play, which I shouldn't because um, Gary Sanchez needs that DH spot for whenever he needs a day off from catching at the plate next season. That is a special, special kind of setting player. You cannot, you really, you can't overwork him at the plate, but you need his bat in the lineup six to seven days a week. Uh, I like I, I we alluded to I don't know if you remember we, we what I alluded to I actually think you were off that day about Sanchez do not get a full time DH because you need that spot for him when he needs the rest uh, I don't know if he can still play first base that's the problem so um, whether it's going to be now listen the Mets Stephen the Mets have a lot of different options at first base it could be Duda it can be Conforto. Maybe uh, Flores, maybe Flores, even David Wright. I don't know. They're going to have to figure this out. They've got a lot of work to do at that one position, let, let alone all of them. Well, something we didn't discuss uh, actually that happened within the past week or two. Uh, the Mets actually did take Jose Reyes on uh, what was his, his team option. Uh, yeah, it was the veterans minimum. They, they, of course, they were going to pick that up. Oh, yeah, of course. And see, that's what I wanted the Mets to do last season uh, in the case of David Wright you know, not playing most of the season, which we already knew what was going to happen. But the Mets did absolutely nothing to have as a backup option. But this is a good security in Jose Reyes, who had an incredible you know, second half for the Mets and probably one of the main reasons why they made it to the postseason. And I think Jose Reyes is going to get a lot of time, uh, whether it's at third base, shortstop if Cabrera needs a rest, or even second base, so if they don't get Walker. I mean, that's another interesting position uh, at second base. You know, you have TJ Rivera, who he he had a lot of promise. We saw a lot of good things come out of TJ Rivera uh, the second half of the season. I do like what Neil Walker did for the Mets, but he is a free agent, and I don't know. I don't know if I can trust his back issues. Well, here's the thing, though. He might get if the Mets give him a qualifying offer. I can realistically see him taking it because he had the back issues last year. He could have had a better year than he actually did. I mean, he hit you know over 20 home runs while he was in that while he was in that huge slump, and he continued to have back problems. So, honestly, if the Mets get him back on that one-year qualifying offer deal, I wouldn't mind it at all. Uh, that's the power bat you do need in your lineup. But, I mean, the Mets – see, the thing with the Mets, I mean, we they lived and died by the home run ball last year, and you saw a kill them, especially in their last game, although it was an all-time postseason pitching great. But do the Mets really – I mean, especially in the outfield, what are you going in with the uh, – do you expect to go in there with Conforto, Granderson, and Bruce, all left-handed power bats? I mean, I just – I can't. This, this, I can't see it. I cannot see that. You know, even with Ligares, uh, you know, little outfield righty, you know, I still – you need Cespedes in there. You – he's that one bat you absolutely need. And that for some reason, they don't get Cespedes. Who's going to replace those numbers? Tell me who, Errol. You're not getting anyone to replace those numbers. You're not getting anyone that's going to replace that production. The only thing you can hope for is that you get some, you get a multitude of pieces to replace that production. But then again, there might be, you know, 
what is it, square peg, round hole. There might not be enough spots to fill. So, I mean, let's think about it. First base is an open competition. Let's look at it that way. Maybe you do put Conforto there. You do want his bat in the lineup. He's a young guy. I don't know if the Mets are crazy about Duda. Second base, you don't know. There are a few options. Flores, Rivera, Rivera, Walker. We don't know what's going on in the outfield. It could be Conforto, Bruce, if they don't decide to trade him. If they get retained, that's with this. Ligaris is a lot of there's more question marks than answers. I mean, what's going on? And then another big thing, uh, Steve, one guy that you and I grew up loving and watching. What's gonna What's gonna be David Wright? Can he Can he play anymore? Can he play over thirty games in a season? I don't know. I have another question for you. Who's in the bat spot? Who's catching? I mean, I, I, th- I that's a that's a great question. I don't know. What they're going to do, I can't watch Travis Darno anymore. And honestly, if it has, what was that? Go ahead. I'm poor over Darno. If it has to be between Darno and Rivera, I, they're both eight eight hitters. Rivera has a little bit more pop, or like it seems, just, uh, you know, it wasn't always the case like that. Uh, Darno was always known for his big bat, but uh, I would go with the guy who's better defensively, better with the pitchers. If it comes down to that, I don't see any other options for this team. I really, I, I don't. I don't know what else, what else they would do at the catching position. I think the Mets are starting to see the bigger picture also. You know, you saw at the end of the season, uh, the regular season, that they were starting Rene Rivera more than Travis Daniel. So I think the Mets are coming to uh, an end of the Travis Daniel era. I can't say for sure, but... Because he really had a horrible, horrible season. And we haven't seen anything out of Travis Darnell. And we haven't seen much from Kevin Kowalski either. Someone that was touted by his offense. And someone that he couldn't, he couldn't throw out a base runner. Same as Travis Darnell. Like, I think that's another huge, huge factor come off season. I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the free agent options right now. And this is just, it's disgusting. I mean, Alex Avila, AJ Przinski, 40, Jared Seltalamakia, Matt Wieters, who's had a history of injury problems, Kurt Suzuki. I mean, the guy that the Mets, I'm sure, were wanting to go after, along with everybody else, was Wilson Ramos. He might not even be back until 2018. I mean, this this is disgusting, Steve. I don't, you know what? We have doubted Sandy Olds in the past. He has come out and he has shut us up. He has put his team in the World Series. He has retained Cespedes. He went out and made a move at the deadline where, I mean, obviously we don't know what Stilson Herrera is yet, but the the Reds didn't even think he was good enough for a September call-up this past season. So we have doubted this man in the past, but he every single time he has shut us up. So we'll, I trust him. I don't know what to do because there's not many. I don't know what he's going to do because there's not many options here. But we will soon see. And you know what? Last thing about Cespedes. How much would it kill you if he, well, we know he's opting out. If he signed with the Yankees, how much of, you know, a slap to the face would that be from Mets fans? Um, I, I, I don't think that might happen. Uh, I mean, you have Judge and Wright. They want to develop. Yeah, the Ellsbury who's contract you can't get rid of. Gardner's you probably can, but you want to put Clint Frazier in there. I don't think they're going to stunt the development of Frazier or Judge just to bring Cespedes in there. I think I think Brian Cashin has learned his lesson. I mean, listen, if you have to deal with a bad bat last two, three years of that deal, say if you sign him to a five-year deal, and he's he's very productive for three years. He has for three years, thirty home runs. You know, 85 RBIs hits around, or over 85 RBIs hits around 280 each of those years, and then you get business of decline. Then you hit, I don't know, 21, 22, can't get 90 RBIs anymore, hitting around 240. I can deal with that for two years. I, it's not outrageous to say I'll deal with it for two years if he gives me three years of production the way he's been giving me the last couple of seasons. Uh, and, you know, Ending the baseball talk, we'll move on to football. Uh, our friend Joe from Merrick uh, is running a bit late. We'll hope, hopefully have him on at some point during the show. Uh, 
he just contacted me. So, you know, the Giants are on a bye this week. The Jets have a game that they should win in Cleveland. Errol, your thoughts? Yeah, and especially, I mean, there's a lot of Jets fans that don't think they can win this game. Um, well, Josh DeCown's starting now, professional quarterback, because it was down to Kevin Hogan and Joe Callahan, who was going to start for this team. I can just, just say this about the Browns, though. They have, they're all in seven. They haven't won a game. They have played in more competitive games than the Jets this entire season. I know that's so outlandish to say, but let's just look at it. I mean, what did they lose to? 25 to 20 when they had a 23 lead on Baltimore. They lost in overtime to the Dolphins, 30 to 24. They were in the game against the Redskins before an outrageous fumble call that went their way when Duke Johnson was holding the ball in front of the ref's hand. Uh, Brady's first game back got demolished. No shame in that. Should have beat the Titans. Uh, held in there against the Browns with a fifth-string quarterback. I mean, this team has played competitive, so the Jets can't go in there and say, well, we'll go in there. We'll just be on cruise control because this team's just terrible. Yeah, they're ter- Yeah, they're terrible, but it just shows in coaching something we did not see last night with my AFC South pick, how undisciplined that team was, and I can't believe I woke up this morning and Gus Bradley still has a job. Something that we see with coaching is a team that has no talent, as the Browns do, or very limited talent, as the Browns do, and they go out there and they play hard every single week, and they go out there and they um and they and they play close games. I mean, it's just it's just what it comes down to. Uh, this team, th- th- we have said on this show, you and I both, Steve, we have said on this show the Jets could literally be realistically. Five and five uh, before they get to that packed game. After that, I have no idea what happens. They could win three out of four. I, I, I don't know. But this team could be five and five. They have to go in there and play every game like it's a playoff game at this point. Yeah, you're completely right. And you know, we said we said it last time. Uh, I can we can see them you know losing two or three more games, and that's it. If they want a chance at even at a wild card spot. You know, this is a game that they have to win in Cleveland. And we just got an update that our friend Joe from Eric will not be able to come on the show today. Uh, but he was very nice enough to send us his picks. So, Errol, would you like to start with that? Yeah, let's, uh, let's get it rolling. Um, let's start with the Jaguars and Titans. Well, that, that game ended yesterday, and the Titans, you know, own Jacksonville. So... Uh, I'm very disappointed that, that Joe is not coming on to roast you. Um, I'm actually very upset. Okay, so Redskins at Bengals. Well, technically this game's in London. Uh, Bengals are favored by three. Steven, I'll let you do the honors. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'm going to be in the morning. I'm going to go with Cincinnati in this one. Washington is uh, still on a, on a colder streak uh, and they – are than they were earlier in the season, and I, I still see I can see the Giants after this after this bye week, obviously, you know, get, picking up some ground on the Redskins. Uh, I just don't think of them as, as high as I thought. You know, Chris uh, Wilson had a decent season, it is, but I'm gonna go to Cincinnati in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with you there. Um, I don't know what's going on with. Washington's injury report. Reed should is, is traveling with the team. Doesn't exactly mean he's going to suit up. Deshaun Jackson's got a variety of injuries. Jamison Crowder doesn't know if he's going to play. There's a lot of there's a lot of injuries on that also defensive side. Even if these guys do play, they're going to be banged up. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. The defense, the Redskins' run defense is awful. Look for the two-headed monster back there and Hill and Bernard to get a good amount of rushing yards in there. Oh, and let's not forget a top five wide receiver and AJ Green is on that side. Have fun, Washington. Yeah, seriously. That was Joe's pick as well, Cincinnati. All right. Now Chiefs are visiting the Colts. The Chiefs are three point road favorites. Chiefs at Colts. I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs on that one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I understand, you know, seeing the stats out there. Uh the Chiefs only have eight sacks. I just don't know 
if the if the Colts offensive line is going to protect Andrew Luck in this one, I think it's going to be a very rough game for Luck. I understand he's getting back Moncrief, but I'm going to take the Chiefs to win this one on the road. Andy Andy Reid in the in the uh, in the regular season, I just don't like to go against a lot. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And Joe's pick was Kansas City as well. Okay, so the Raiders are visiting the Bucks. The the uh, disrespect of the Raiders continues. For the third straight week, when they should be favored, this game is a pick 'em. Uh, this line probably went down because I think the Bucks were actually favored by one. So, Raiders at the Bucks. Steve, who do you got? I have, let me see here. I have Oakland winning this one. Uh, you know what? I do like what I've seen from Miss Winston. Uh, but, and Tampa Bay's defense has been decent. But I, I, I think Oakland's just been a very, very good team. You know, Amari Cooper had himself a season as well expected. The same with Latavius Murray. Oakland's going to go ahead and win this one on the road. And that yeah. was the as well. One, two, three, uh, four, the They are 4-0 and oh on the road this year. I expect them to go 5-0. and oh. This team, Derek Carr, and especially after watching Blake Bortles last night, rack up fantasy points in garbage time, which I was perfectly fine with. Um, I can't believe these two were in the same draft and picked basically 30 picks away from each other. I mean, Derek Carr, this is what a franchise quarterback looks like. He can make every throw. He, he, he utilizes his weapons. He's on the sideline. He's engaged. And the fact that this – and he goes on the road and wins football games with a young team. That, that is hard to do. I'm going to go with the Raiders to win this one on the road. Um, honestly, this might – people look at this as a trap game, but I think Derek Carr is the real deal, and so are my AFC West pick of the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%, as does Joe. That's Joe's pick, too. Okay, so alleviating on a lot of things that we are today. Um, Seattle visits the Saints. Seattle are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, this is no doubt on this one, uh, Seattle's winning on the road here. Uh, and that's Joe's pick as well. Um, see, you know what? Seattle angered me angered me so much that I'm just going to pick them to lose this game. Uh, no, in all seriousness, Seattle seems uh, – Russell Wilson isn't healthy. The Saints defense hasn't been as bad as we all – I mean, they've been bad, but not all-time bad as they looked in the beginning of the year. Um, I see the, the Saints honestly going out and shocking them in this one. I think the, the Seahawks on short on short rest, uh, that very emotional overtime game, I think they're going to be worn out a little bit. And Russell Wilson just isn't healthy. And I expect the Saints to – and Drew Brees has looked like Drew Brees at home this season. So give me the Saints in this one. So, yeah. And then Lions visit the – visit. Lions visit the Brock – Osweiler's rock and roll! Lions are two and a half point. I don't need to say the lines with you. Who you got, Steve? Yeah, we're going with Houston in this one. If they want to win the division in this one, they want to win the division, this is going to be a hard, hard game against Detroit, a great Detroit team. And, you know, we've said it time and time again, Matt Stafford's having an MVP like year. I'm go, but I have to go with my Houston Texans. After uh, last week's loss to Denver, uh, He's just not – he did not, not look good. Uh, I'll admit it. Rob Hoswaller underperformed against his former team. As expected, Broncos' defense is unbelievable. Uh, I, but I have to go with Houston in this one. I have to. If I want them as my division winner, they're not going to go 4-4. Four four. <laughs> Mr. Weissman. Oh, God, I respect your opinion more than... Of course, of course, Joe went with Detroit in this one also. <laughs> Steve, 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 Texans defense is in shambles. Brock Osweiler is terrible. He hasn't had a 300-yard game yet this season. And he's gone up against defenses like the Bears and the Titans and the Jaguars. I, I mean, he's had under 200 yards three times this year. He, he looked not only conservative, but he looked scared out there last week. Give me the, give me the Lions. I mean, and the Lions' defense is terrible, but I won't be surprised if Osweiler has under 300 yards in this one. Stafford's an MVP candidate, as you said. 
Uh, Dwayne Washington will be back for this game. Finally, they get some semblance of a running running game back. Uh, give me the Texans, man. Because honestly, if Stafford gets out to a big lead, I really do doubt that Oswald is going to come out and uh, give him a puncher's chance to win this game after go if they go down big. So give me the Lions to put the Texans at four and four. And Steven, just a side note here. I know uh, Rob's coming on soon, so we got to speed it up. Uh, after watching, we're seeing what I saw last night. I actually do think the Titans are going to win this division. Um, well, Titans have been great, so I, I can't say that. I can't argue that. The Jets visit the Browns, the only seven Browns. Jets are four points, or excuse me, three-point favorites. Steve, who you got? A game. This is a game that the Jets need to win, and I picked them as well as Joe. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Jets in this one. Uh, maybe a little bit of a track game, but I fully expect them to win this game. Uh, Pat at the Bills. Steve? I'm going to go with the New England Patriots in this one. A big division game. Uh, Bills, I, I know it's an away game for New England, but they got to they gotta step up to the challenge against the great Buffalo defense. Uh, but I'm going to go with New England, and Joe's going to go with the Bills in this one. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with New England, too. I expect Brady to go out there and absolute get revenge um, for his past losing this game a few weeks back. Cardinals at the Panthers. Panthers is three-point favorite. The two teams that we had in our NFC Championship game. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals on this one. Panthers have looked brutal. I know they're coming off a bye week, but... You know, they've just been awful. I know Arizona had an emotionally brutal game last week uh, against Seattle, but I think Arizona's going to come away with the away win. Yeah, same thing with Seattle from before. They just Arizona just angered me because if they covered that spread at one point, that would have been perfect. I'm going to go with the Panthers coming off a bye. They're just more desperate for a win being at 1-5. and five. I don't think they're dead yet this season. Uh, Chargers visit the Broncos. In Denver. Uh, I have to go with Denver in this one, but, uh, you know, a, a big factor is, you know, C.J. Anderson's not healthy, and he's going to be out a few weeks. Uh, so th- there's something that's something that San Diego doesn't really have to worry much about is that run defense. Uh, but Den- Denver's unbelievable. Uh, Trevor Simeon's been better, much better than I expected. I'm going to go with the Broncos. And Joe's going to go with the Broncos as well. Yeah, give me the Chargers to have an upset in this one. This team should not be three and four. They could they could actually realistically be six and one, seven and zero, seven and zero. Philip Rivers to me is an MVP candidate. He's been fantastic this season. There's not much around him. He's getting hurt. Uh, so yeah, give me the Chargers to shock the Broncos in this game. I don't know if Trevor Simeon is going to be able to go pound for pound with Rivers. Uh, Packers at the Falcons. Falcons are three-point favorites, Steve. I'm going to go with Atlanta in this one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has not been himself. Uh, but, and Matt Ryan has had an unbelievable season. Uh, there's, Green Bay's also not all that healthy. You know, Ed Lacey has not been that great. But I'm going to go with Atlanta in this one. And so is John. I'm going to go with Atlanta, too. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's not even getting pressured a lot. He's just missing the throws. I mean, he's getting all day to throw. Uh, Atlanta at home, coming off a loss last week, bad loss last week. Um, give me the Falcons at home. I just don't think – I don't. if Aaron Rodgers doesn't score over 25 points or, or 30 points this game, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, Sunday night football, Eagles at Cowboys. Cowboys are five-point favorites. I'm gonna go with the Cowboys in this one. Cowboys are looking like they're taking they're gonna take the division, unfortunately. But give me the Cowboys. It may be a sign of bias uh, a little bit just because the Giants are playing the Eagles next week. They have time to catch up with them. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Eagles. I just think they're gonna get a lot of pressure on Prescott. I think Wentz is actually the better quarterback, and a prime time game at home for the Cowboys doesn't usually go well most of the time. So. Uh, Vikings at the Bears, Steve, Monday night. you got to go with the Vikings in this one. After the loss last week, come on. Uh, also, with some extra days off, you got to go with Minnesota in this one. Yeah, they're going to be. I don't understand it's an away game, but it's Chicago. 
you got to go with Minnesota, and Joe Jones with Minnesota as well. Yeah, and you see the reports that Fox has done with uh, Cutler. It's, uh, you know, a guy who just doesn't, I'm sure he doesn't care because he just doesn't care about anything else. Uh, Matt Barkley should be starting this game. This is going to be a mess after the Vikings coming off a loss that they did. So, uh, yeah, that's our picks. Uh, now, without further ado, uh, Mr. Rob Taub coming up to talk hockey with us in the last 15 minutes of this show. Rob, hey, what's going on, buddy? Nothing. I'm, uh, I'm at work, but, you know, it's a uh, quiet Friday, except that you got the Rangers and Devils tonight. Two, uh, two pretty big games. One division game, and one is uh, basically a measuring stick for the uh, for the Devils, especially playing the Blackhawks, coming off a big win against the Coyotes. And they've looked good. Taylor Hall, is really he's really made that team something special to watch, and uh, just got to watch out for him. Hey, Rob, it's Steve. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you about the Islanders. Last night they had an upsetting loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we knew it was going to be a challenging game coming in. Uh, you know, to uh, defending champions. But what do you, what do you like about the what do you like and what do you dislike about the Islanders so far? Let's talk about what, what I what I like so far is I like that uh, the defense and the goaltending have been solid. I know that there's been spurts where you know they fell apart and it's cost them big time. Uh, what I haven't liked is they're just not scoring enough. I mean, they're not getting production from Strom and Nelson and Lee like they wanted to consistently uh, from the offseason. Vlad, I said this a long time ago. You're going to have to give Vlad an adjustment period. He's getting his chances. He's going to score. And when he scores, the floodgates are going to open, especially playing with Tavares. I mean, I I like what I saw last night. You know, 32 shots through two periods against the Stanley Cup champions. They had them on the ropes. And in the third period, they kind of their play tailed off. Uh, I could see why they, they are the tired team. They played the night before, and they lost a tough game the night before. But I liked what I, I, liked what I saw from the Islands last night. You know, they just they imploded at the wrong time. And, you know, they tied the game with Prince, who I thought was fantastic last night. Uh, uh was called coming off uh, missing five games. I think he's going to be a bit of a spark that the team needs, especially speed-wise. Because you saw last night, when the Islanders play with speed, the way they play against uh, the Penguins, who are the you know inventors of speed from last year, they're going to give them a run for their money. Again, we're talking with Rob Pelle of uh, Stanford for Hockey. Uh, but you know what? You're completely on point with the whole defense and goaltending. I don't think that's been their issue this season. In fact, I believe Halas has you know, he's been great even since the uh, World Cup of Hockey. Uh, as long as the defense, Hamnick hasn't played all that well, but he looks like the better. Um, but how about that kid, Anthony Bavulier? I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Bavulier. I know he took uh, took a shot off the knee on on uh, Wednesday, but, you know, he's going to take his lumps. But I thought he's, you know, he's playing with speed, he's playing with tenacity, he's playing with intensity. And that's, that's something that you haven't seen from guys who come up with the Islanders in the, in the development system. Uh, in the past few years, so you haven't seen that from many many of their forwards. And Bavoye, he's he's basically broken he's broken the glass, and he's doing all he can to stay with this team. I believe he'll stay with this team past the nine games. I think he's good enough to stay with this team, and I would really really love to see him get a, a top line shot with Tavares because you saw Bavoye has skill, all he, and he's a good defensive forward, and that's what Capuano uh, likes the most from his forwards when they play defense and when they play. Uh, good offense as well. But I love what I'm seeing from Bavouille. I, I mean, anyone who's complaining, you know, just look at what happened with Barzell. He, with Barzell, he, he's just, he's had a rough go of it. I know he's only played two games, but it seems that he's not up to speed with, uh, with the NHL style game. I think he'll go back to Seattle and uh, he'll tune up his defensive game and hopefully maybe he'll be back next year. But I, I really love what I'm seeing from Bavouille and I think he's in for a great year. Calder Trophy, um, maybe it'll be up there as one of the finalists. I mean, he's not in the same length as uh, Matthews and as Patrick Laine, but he's making a pretty good case that you know he's he's going to have his head sticking around there. So to make this clear, you do think Matthew Barzal will be sent back to Seattle? Yes, I do. From from all the reports that I read and uh, I've spoken, you know, you see a lot of people tweeting and 
you just see he he's not ready right now, and I think the coaching staff sees it. And you know, I saw what uh, Andy Graziano uh, tweeted about him in the locker room talking with the veterans after uh, the bad plays he made on Wednesday, and that's a that's a good that's a great thing to hear and a great thing to see from a kid that age. But I just think that he needs to go back to Seattle and tune up his defensive game. Offensively, he's got all the skill in the world. He's just got to you know he's got to mirror that defensively. Now, you know, Paul, you, you spoke about that first line, you know, with maybe giving Anthony Bovillier a chance in that first line. We haven't seen much production from Andrew Ladd, and you said he's given his opportunities and chances, and he has looked better than, you know, the previous, the first four or so games of the season. But everyone talking about how Taylor Hall is doing with, you know, the New Jersey Devils, and, oh, why didn't God say Travis Hamannick for Taylor Hall when he had the opportunity. Well, I just want to get some thoughts on that. I mean, my thoughts on that, and I said this on Twitter last night, Taylor Hall is on a different team. Yes, he's on a division rival in the New Jersey Devils, but what you're dealing with with what you have to deal with, you can't go back uh, back to July and make that trade, especially, like I said, after Hamannick rescinded his trade request, Arthur Staples said that the team would have staged the coup if they would have traded him after – after he uh, rescinded his trade request. So I think the whole Taylor Hall situation, you know, people just got to get over it. I know he's done great with the Devils. Listen, he's done good with the Devils because he's one of their major uh, major players on offense. The Allens have John Tavares. And then, if, you know, Taylor Hall with him, it would have been great. But Taylor Hall, is he's basically carrying the Devils right now. He, he, carry, he carried the Devils to almost three wins already. And I just think that people need to stop and think, yes, they could have had him, but the Islanders are what they are right now, and their offense is going to get going. You just got to give it a, a little bit of time. It's only been eight games. People really need to calm down. People are saying that, you know, the season's over after eight games. We don't know what this offense is going to look like in, a, in like, a few weeks or in a few months. Hell, you could see, we could see Josh Hosang, you know, get a shot sooner than later. But I think the whole Taylor Hall thing is overblown. I know people are just going to talk about it all year because that's the way they are. But I, I just feel like it, it, it just needs to stop, especially now that the season started and they can't go back and, and uh, redo what they have to do. And, you know, last but not least, before we go uh, talk some Rangers, uh, do you think, Tapu, uh, you know, maybe in another 10 years, the Islanders are still playing how they are. Do you think that Capuano is a hot seat for his job? I said this, and I said this to a few people, and I said this to Stan, and he agreed with me, that if they keep floundering, Caviano should be on the hot seat, and so should Garth Snow. Coming off to 100-point over 100-point seasons, you know, you have to be on the hot seat, especially if the team starts to flounder, especially with the talent base that you've assembled and the defense that you've assembled. I just think that he'll, he'll be on the hot seat if they keep floundering. But if they are staying in games that they're playing hard for Capuano, I don't see where the team is going to just, you know, make a quick decision like that. I think it's still early. I think we haven't seen the real Islander team that we're going to see in a few weeks or even a month or two. Because, you know, once you get the first month out of the way, you know, everyone's settled in. You know, chemistry starts to build. And I think chemistry is going to – it's starting to build uh, game by game. You're seeing it little by little, especially last night. Lines are starting to form. Guys are starting to play well with each other. But I think if they keep floundering, Cappy will be on the hot seat. And this is all about the Islanders. Errol, do you want to, you know, tackle uh, the Rangers with Rob? Uh, yeah, and again, talking to Rob Taub, Dan Fisher Hockey, and Associate uh, Game Day Monitor for NHL.com. Rob, we talked about before the season started, this team was going to be fast. This team was going to look like they did a couple years ago. Speed kills. Uh, you've seen a lot of speed from this team early on from the Rangers. Absolutely. And uh, I didn't watch all the game on Wednesday, but I saw the highlights, and you could just see they were burning the Bruins out. You know, all four lines rolling, defense was playing well. And now you got a guy, you got a fourth line with a guy named Brandon Perry who's become a lethal sniper. I mean, he's been really good. He's a power play guy. I just think they've, they've got all the components going that they need to be a good team. To not, you know, Dan Girardi is not playing, you know, having to play 20, 25 minutes. They're cutting him down to, you know, 
15, 16 minutes, which is, you know, it's really helping him. I think the defense has been steady. I think Lundqvist, you know, you're starting to see a little bit of the age factor, but, you know, that comes with, with you know, the territory of turning 35. But I do love what I'm seeing from the Rangers. Jimmy VC is playing absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you're going to – Rick Nash is starting to get going. Chris Kreider isn't, you know, going anywhere anytime soon. I think uh, Buchnevich – uh, I think once they get him back, it'll help. But I, I really like what I see, what I'm seeing from the Rangers right now, and I think that you know beating division opponents and beating good opponents like Boston, Washington, uh, the way they did, it's impressive. Yeah, and to transition to the defensive side, they waived Dylan Macarath this uh, yesterday, and actually it was just reported about an hour ago, not even that he clicked, that he uh, he passed through waivers and he's in the AHL right now with the Rangers. Are you surprised they waived him? Are you just surprised I am that no one actually picked him up? You know, I'm not surprised that they waived him from what I read and what I saw from Malcolm. He just wasn't up to, he just wasn't up to speed. He, you know, he still has to work on his skating. You know, a big body like that, those are the guys that should be, well, should, you know, skate very well. He hasn't, he didn't really show much in the preseason. Uh, I don't think he played a, uh, very physical. He's, Seems like a guy who could be a very physical defenseman. We saw last year when he mixed up with Wayne Simmons a few times. But I just think that he just wasn't ready. And I think that he was caught in a bind with the Rangers' defensive situation because Adam Clendenning has played well, Nick Holton has played well, and even Brady Shea has moved above him. And he's, you know, he's getting, you know, top six, uh, uh, what's called, he's getting minutes for a top four or even like bottom six defenseman that he deserves. I think Malcarez just, he just didn't have it, and you know he'll play in the AHL. Uh, they, uh, I mean, it, it's hard to it's hard to see if he'll be back this year or he'll be using the trade piece. You know, Jacob Truba's still out there. If the Rangers still want a deal for him, if you could trade McElrath as an extra piece, why not? Yeah, and um, one thing before I let you go, one guy stuck out to me, the Benjamin came over here. The guy has a rocket shot. Uh, do you see him producing really throughout the season as he has the last first couple weeks? Do I see what? Oh, do you see Zibanejad can uh, continue to produce throughout the season? A young guy playing in New York. Uh, I did a oh, lot, watch a lot of him in Ottawa, but do you see him producing oh, throughout this entire season? Without a doubt, I think Zibanejad was the best off-season move so far. I think you know he's playing. Playing a game that the Rangers want to play with speed, with intensity. He's got a great shot. You've seen the skill with some of his passing. He's a great skater too. He's not afraid to mix it up with uh, with the bigger players. And he's he's playing first line minutes because he is a first line player. And I think he's building chemistry with uh, with his line mates. I think he's you know he's loving the spotlight. You know when guys come here, it's hard for them to adjust to the spotlight. Just look. Uh, I mean Rick Nash is uh, can't. Can't hold it against Rick Nash, but Zibanejad is taken to the spotlight. It looks like he loves playing here, and I just think he's going to contribute all season. I could see uh, possible 25, 30 goals from him. All right, again, Rob Tau. Thanks for meeting with us, Rob. Stan Fischel Hockey, NHL.com. Uh, Anytime, boys. All right, Rob, we'll talk to you again throughout the season. All right. All right, Rob Todd, we appreciate him coming on uh, during on his busy schedule uh, to come on with us. Steve, a lot of good stuff from him. Steve, you worried about your Islanders at all, even though uh, it's only, it is only a couple weeks into this season? Um, you know what? To be honest, I'm not. I do agree with, Rob, with what Rob said about Andrew Ladd. No, uh, however games we're, we're in, what are we, seven, eight games in? It's eight games, and Rob, Rob Taub said the chemistry is there. It will and it will continue to grow more with you know this new team that he's on. He signed a five-year deal. You're not giving up on Andrew Ladd after eight games. It's ridiculous that people think you know the season's over after this amount of games. You know, everyone's been waiting for October. This is October. This is hockey. This is what everyone's waiting for. There's going to be wins. There's going to be losses. Everyone just needs to relax, settle down. We got a lot more hockey to play. I'm not too worried, but they do have to, you know, start putting some W's in the in, in the column. Yeah, and it's just it's not that. Uh, listen, you have uh, you and I don't 
again, you and I aren't divisive on a lot of things on this show, but one thing we can agree, there's a lot of talent on this Islanders team, and if they're struggling, if they, I told you before the season started, if they struggle throughout the first month, maybe month and a half throughout this season, there's one finger to point, and that's the Jack Capuano. This guy has been overdue to, uh, to depart. I do not think he's a good coach. I don't think he lines up the power plays very well, as we saw that last night. I just I don't see this guy sticking around the whole season if this team continues to struggle because again there's too much talent on this team uh, for them to start out you know obviously take games but if they continue this uh, this asinine performance uh, I don't see Captain Wano sticking around. And you said it you said it right. Uh, he, this guy is the longest tenured coach in the NHL. I don't understand how that is, but it is what it is. And you know what? That's hockey. And if the Islanders continue. Uh, on a bad, bad start. Not that they're on a horrible start, but if the Islanders, you know, don't grow positively, you're not going to see Jack Capuano this season. And that's my honest belief. As, uh, you know what? We're wrapping up the show. Uh, a great football Friday. We want to thank Rob Taub. Uh, unfortunate, our friend Joe from Merrick wasn't here for his daily spot. Uh, and we want to thank the SND podcast channel as well for having us on their podcast channel. And something to look forward to, we will have our friend Stephen, uh, who has his own podcast on our show on Monday, November 14th. So something to look forward to, and we'll catch you guys next week.